welcome to Before the Come Up. In this podcast, I sit down with a different member of the Columbia Business School class of 2023 each week. I learn about their backgrounds, their upbringings, and things that motivate them and drive them. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. Welcome to another episode of Before the Come Up. I am so excited to be joined by my friend, Martavius Leonard. Welcome. What's going on, GT? How's everything? Everything is great, man. Hey. Thanks so much for coming on the pod. Let's dive right in. Yeah. Um, let's start by learning a little bit about where you're from, learning about your background, where you grew up, and what it was like. Yeah, man. So first off, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Uh, I know you've had some really cool guests on here, so it's good that I'm a part of the number. <laughs> I feel honored, so appreciate it. Um, so a little bit about myself. I am originally from... Thomaston, Georgia. It's a super, super small town in uh, Georgia. It's about an hour and a half south of Atlanta. So um, because it's so small, everybody knew everybody. Um, I had one high school, one middle school, one elementary school. Um, and so it was super small, but very close-knit and a tight community. Um, a little bit more about kind of like family. So I actually have a very dynamic kind of background and upbringing. So from a parental perspective, I have I'm the youngest of five, uh, but on my dad's side, I have two older brothers. My mom's side, I have an older brother and an older sister. But I grew up with my older brother and my older sister on my mom's side. So my mom's side of the family is the family that I'm most closest to. Um, and it's also the side of the family that I, you know, really kind of learned and got the foundation of, like, who I am from. Um, so my granddad is a pastor. And again, because it's such a small town, everybody knows everybody. Right. And everybody knows you know, my, 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 my grandparents and all of his, his children, because my mom has about five other siblings. And so they all have, you know, kids and different things of that nature. And so because of that, like, I kind of bore the, bore the grunt of a lot of that in terms of really seeing that, like, I had to kind of, or feeling like I had to kind of live up to a certain expectation, right? So, and then also another piece to kind of note is that my older sister is 12 years older than me. My older brother is eight years older than me. That's on my mom's side. And on yeah. my dad's side, my older siblings are 15 and 10 years older than me. So gotcha. there's a huge right. age gap there. And because, again, my, my, my older brother and my older sister went to the same high school, same middle school, et cetera, they also knew, like, their, their siblings or their friends also knew me. And their, yeah. you know, brothers and sisters knew me. So it was a lot of just kind of... Uh, feeling like you had to live up to a certain expectation. But at the same time, it was good because you had a community of people that kind of held you accountable, mm -hmm. that made you feel like you had a home, you had a space. Um, and so it's really cool that when I go home all the time, I'm always like, every time I go home and I step foot into like a Walmart or any store, I'm like, hey, how you doing? Like I see somebody that I know. Um, so it's really cool. But uh, I do think that, you know, kind of growing up in a small town, it has its beauties and has its things that you, that you really love, but it also has some of its challenges as well. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thanks so much for that introduction, man. Really, yeah. really cool. So tell us a little bit about that, right? So like we have 50 plus percent of our class who are international. Maybe New York City is their first experience of the United States. Tell them a little bit about the good things about growing up where you did and maybe some of the negative things as well. Yeah. So in comparison to New York, I'll say that Thomaston is much slower in terms of pace and in terms of lifestyle, right? I think what you what you get out of it, what you what you miss in terms of the access and term and in terms of like 
just the liveliness of the of the city, you get back in kind of comfortability and just like being able to really craft your life in a way that's really unique to you, right? So you have obviously much more space. You can, you know, you have that, you have much, just the lifestyle is different just yeah. generally, right? And I think because of the lifestyle, you have to make a choice of like how you want to kind of show up in that. And so for me, I remember kind of being, kind of growing up in Thomaston and being like, oh my God, like I really want access to other places and other things and re- recognizing that I loved where I grew up, but at the same time, I knew that there was more out there. But what it did was it gave me an appreciation for recognizing that you can do a lot with little Mm -hmm. because you don't you don't need. And so I think for me being in New York City in a place like this, like I don't need a lot to to be entertained. I don't need a lot to 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 have fun or find um, joy in this space. Um, But more so. And I and I think I appreciate, you know, my alone time. I appreciate sometimes when I can like slow down a bit, Mm -hmm. spend time with family and just not be so bombarded by all of the things that kind of New York kind of brings. Right. Um, The other thing to kind of think about also is that New York is unlike any other place in that you can basically get around anywhere without having a car. You can't do that in Georgia. You need a car to get everywhere. yeah, there's no public transportation outside of the MARTA in Atlanta, but that's very limited. It doesn't really go that many places, but you definitely need a car um, in that in that in that place. But I would say that from a just kind of like a standard of living perspective, like again, it is much slower. But I I think for anyone who values family, who values kind of like personal space and va- values like nature and time away from just like the loud noises, the big city, all the car, just all the the activity that happens in New York. It's places like Georgia are good places for you for you to kind of you know be and at least visit at least yeah. you know. So amazing! And tell us a little bit. You've got uh, an interesting name, Martavius. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue so nicely. Um, what is the story behind that? I love asking this uh, question to my guests because you know you you hear all kinds of different answers. So. Yeah. So funny enough. You would think that my name has some really deep meaning and it's, you know, somebody put a bunch of thought into it. But the reality of the situation is the way that my name came about, and this is the story that I was I was told, was that when my mom was pregnant with me, my sister was kind of going through my younger brother's yearbook and was like just looking at like just looking at the people in there or whatever. And she saw some one of his classmates named Martavius. And she was just like, oh, this is a really cute name. Like, I really like this name. And so then she went to my mom and said, hey, Ma, I think we should name him Martavius. <laughs> and then she was like, uh. at first, she, I don't know if she was against it or not, but the way it was told to me, it was just like, sure, like, I like it. And uh-huh. that's kind of how it, how it happened. Wow. Now, I don't know where my brother's classmate got the name Martavius from. So I to this day I just always tell that story and I right. say like when people ask me what it means I just kind of make up a meaning. <laughs> um, right. But it's very interesting though because I think it also kind of speaks to a to a larger trend yeah. like where I grew up. A lot of people have the last name like Avius or Arius, mm-hmm. right? So like in my graduating high school class alone, I had me. My name is Martavius. I had two sets of twins in my class named Rick Tavius and Ron Tavius. Wow. I had another set of twins named Rontavius and Montavius. And then 
had a few people named like Demontarius, Dontarius, Tavius. Like so there was a yeah. so that's a very common ending to names down south don't know why but it is and so i think it's very interesting kind of coming from thomason where that is such a common thing yeah, yeah. and everybody's like oh like okay you're just another avius sure. or another <laughs> whatever but then coming here and everybody's like oh my god this is such, this is such a cool name like where did that come from i'm like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so uh it's just really interesting wow. uh, yeah no very cool thanks for sharing um so you're painting a picture um of your hometown for us um and you know you mentioned some of the good things about there and some of the challenges in the grow you know in growing up there what did you want to do when you grew up when you wanted to um like as a kid what were the professions that kind of like stood out to you and i mean i I think this question is also interesting for you because you obviously come from, you know, like you were saying, a small town, but a pretty well-known family. People would have known your grandparents, your parents. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was, you know, what seemed natural to you, like, when you were growing up? You know, you you know, it was a lot, man. I think, so first off, to kind of level set, I think, because it was a small town, there were very limited professions that you saw, right? Mm -hmm. So you saw teachers, you saw Doctors, nurses, lawyers, that type of thing. But you weren't seeing people who were, you know, investing in like like who people were going into VC or private equity. Like you didn't see that type of stuff. You just kind of saw the normal, you know, everyday kind of professions. And so I think that was kind of where I started. Right. Um, And so I think I initially was like, I want to be a teacher. But then I said, no, I don't want to be a teacher because I didn't have my first black teacher until I was in college. Right. So like we had black teachers at the school. But personally, I didn't have a black teacher until I was in college. I went to Morehouse. Right. So I was kind of like, I don't see myself in that. Like I could, but eh, I'm not quite sure. I feel like I'm just doing it because that's what I'm seeing as opposed to I'm doing it because that's actually what I really want to do. So kind of took kind of, you know, got rid of that and kind of, you know, threw that away. Um, Believe it or not. And most people will always think that I'm lying when I say this, but I used to be really, really good at basketball. Basketball was my thing. When I tell you, like, for the longest, I wanted to play, like, professional basketball. But I realized later, like, as I got older, specifically after high school, I was like, you know, the odds that I'm going to go play (laughs) D1 basketball and also go to the NBA is very small because I am very short um, in comparison to all the other NBA players. But at the same time, I also realized, like, sports wasn't the end-all, be-all for me. But although I really, really enjoyed it and I really thought that it was something that I could see myself doing, I just realized, like, there was more that I could bring to the table yeah. than just sports. Um, and so then, so that so that happened, right? And then on the other hand, because, again, my parents and my grandparents were, you know, in the church and, you know, I am, and also all of my family are musicians, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody. Everybody either sings, plays some type of instrument, and so again, that was another piece where people were like, oh, you can sing, like you, you should, you should do something along those lines. And for me, I kind of shot away from it because I was like, uh, I feel like I'm doing this because again, I'm being forced into it. And so I kind of took my college career, my college, the time of being in college, to really kind of explore, like, okay, what is it do I really that I really want to do, and get out of the mindset of thinking about it from this is what I've been seeing, this is what I've seen, and this is what I've, I'm familiar with. And try to look at opportunities outside of what I had already been accustomed to. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know if that answer your question, but yeah, <laughs> perfect. no, thank yeah. you. So tell me a little bit about your transition then to college, right? Um, 
moving to the city, um, moving to one of the most storied colleges in the country. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Hmm. So it's funny because initially, so I, so I went to Morehouse College. It's a HBCU, um, which stands for Historically Black, Black College or University. Um, and it's located in Atlanta, Georgia. The unique thing about Morehouse is that it is an all-male HBCU. Um, there are uh, there's also other two other um, or some other HBCUs that are very gender specific, being Spelman College, which is all women, which is basically across the street from Morehouse, and then you also have Bennett College, which is also another all women's HBCU. Um, but you have hundreds of them across the country, so there are many that you can choose from. But I chose Morehouse. And initially, I did not want to go to an HBCU. Wow. At, uh, I was totally against it because um, I had a lot of family who went to HBCU. My brother um, actually went to Fort Valley State University, which is an HBCU in uh, Fort Valley, Georgia. And I was just very against it. Also, I was a part of this program called Upward Bound. And all of my coordinators and a lot of the people that ran that program went to HBCUs, and they were just really forcing HBCUs down our throats. Mm. I wanted to go to Georgia Tech because I thought I was going to be an engineer. I said, this is going to be my passion. This is what I'm my calling. But I realized, nope, not for me, not, not my thing. And so it wasn't until we went to – we had a admissions officer come to our school and talk to a few of the students there about Morehouse. And it was really compelling. I was like, oh, wow, like this is, this is really cool. Like I didn't really think about this. And so after that conversation, really took some time to really do some research about it and – really see what you know the college is about, and I was sold. Um, went to campus for a campus visit through Upper Bound, and I was like, all right, yeah, this is, this is it. This is where I want to go. It felt like home. It felt like it felt very different from, than what I was used to because, again, growing up in a small town, also the demographic of that small town was made like 70% non-black, right? Mm-hmm. So be, and then also being kind of the tokenized black guy in the mm-hmm. – honors classes and kind of being the token smart black boy, right? You didn't really see a lot of men of the diaspora in one place, you know, getting the education, but you're also seeing the diversity within that, di- that diaspora. And so I think that was something that was really compelling to me. And I was like, all right, this is where I want to spend the rest of the, the, these next four years um, because I could see I could see myself growing in that space. And I thought that was really important for me. And so the transition then too, it was, it wasn't that bad actually because again, Atlanta was only an hour and a half away from from my hometown. If I needed to go home, I could, but I was far enough away that like I wasn't trying to go home every weekend. Yeah. I also didn't have a car, so that yeah. also limited my ability, to kind of, my mobility a bit. So, I think I kind of jumped in, kind of like head first, and said, "I'm just going to immerse myself in this experience and see where it gets me." Right. Um, luckily, I, we all. I also had a few friends already going into it because at the time, obviously, you know, Facebook was a back in like 2010. Facebook was the thing. And we had like Facebook groups where yeah. everybody who got admitted would be in the group. So everybody would have their little chats and we were getting to know each other. And funny enough, all of my best friends from Morehouse and Spelman, I met through that group chat. And we had been friends the entire time um, throughout our undergrad career. And so I think that really helped with um, my transition. Also, the what I didn't really talk about was the journey to get to Morehouse in terms of applying and things of that nature. Uh, Morehouse is very expensive, um, and you know I didn't come from a family that could afford that, right? So I really had to hustle and grind to find the money to really go 
to Morehouse. And so fortunate, fortunately, I was able to have some mentors and people that kind of really helped me along the way. Some that were Morehouse men, some that were just people that were, you know, just mentors to me. And so I continued to keep that relationship throughout college. And a lot of them also lived in Atlanta. So I would take, you know, might hit them up and say, hey, like, I'm really stressed out. Like, and they would be like, hey, let's go get dinner. Let's go talk about it. Right. And I really had a support system outside of my family, outside of my classmates, but also with mentors that you not only knew Morehouse and have experienced Morehouse, but some of them who also are from my hometown, right? Mm-hmm. So they were able to be able to kind of put give give some context and kind of share some of their experience around like how to best navigate it, mm-hmm. given they understand the landscape that I'm coming from, which is very unique. And I don't think that if you don't, if you haven't, having not grown up in a space like that, you wouldn't understand how then that coming into a space like Morehouse that can be like, whoa, like how do I, how do I, how do I, uh, how do I navigate this space? So I would say overall though, the transition was great. It was really good. I, like I said, I, I, if I could go back and redo my Morehouse experience, I 100% would do it. Um, but I think that overall, the, the the transition and the way in which my Morehouse experience helped me and improved my, you know, just me in general as a, as a, as a man, mm-hmm. it really improved and made me see see life in a different way. Yeah. Wow. That is actually really cool to hear because, you know, college can sometimes be some of the loneliest years for some people. And especially, you know, young black men who are excelling at school. Oftentimes when they go to college, that can be the time that they are dealing with the least diversity. All of a sudden, they're the only black person in the class or, you know, there's just a handful of black people in the school. You know, we have such a problem with diversity at some of our top colleges. So to hear that you could get that rich educational experience, but then also have this built in mentorship foundation is just so cool to hear. Um, yeah. And such a positive um, like shout out for HBCUs. Um, yeah, can I add one more thing? For to sure. That? So and I also think, too, one of the one of the cool things around it was also the idea that. My professors knew my name, right? Like my professors, like we have this at Morehouse. We have this the, the main street that kind of runs through campus is called Brown Street, and yeah. it's like the historic kind of like landmark, and it kind of leads to one of the like main buildings on the campus. And that was kind of like our, like our, uh, our playground a bit, right? Like because we would sit out there and just talk about anything. It could be about sports. It could be intellectual conversations. It can be things around things we talked about in class. And professors would would sit out there with us and talk with us, nice. right? So it was a really cool environment to be in because you you could have that, but then you could have your Greek organizations over on the other side of the, of the, of the street talking amongst themselves and having conversation. You could have the people that were athletes just kind of having their, everybody had their space. Mm. And I thought that it was really beautiful to see not only did people have their space, but then they could also converge in these other different spaces and like be able to embrace the fullness of what Morehouse brought to the table. And like I said before, like I didn't have my first professor until I got to college, right? So being, going, knowing I was going to class every day, seeing somebody that looked like me or that had a similar experience as me was something that like was very empowering and something that I could say, like, I think that was the most prior to college. Like, I hadn't been as comfortable, like, talking in class or speaking up in class. But, like, being at a space like Morehouse, you you had to. Like, people wanted to hear what you had to say. Yeah. 
because I think it really made for a rich conversation and rich like dialogue. Because I think one thing that people that aren't a part of blackness will sometimes look on the outside looking in will look at us and say, all black people kind of like have a similar experience or, or, or are the same in some way, shape or form. But the reality of the situation is that we all come from we all are very diverse in our own ways and we have very unique perspectives to bring to the table. And I think Morehouse was just a microcosm of the of the black community. And it was but in a concentrated place at one time. And you were able to really see that beauty, not only, again, amongst the students, but also even with the professors as well. Yeah. Um, and the, the professors were able to really kind of take that opportunity and pour back into us and really be able to foster those kind of one-on-one connections with us as students. So, Wow. Yeah, very powerful. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing. Okay, so some of us on campus know about your singing skills. and um, <laughs> Dude, tell us a little <laughs> bit about that, man. Some people are going to be hearing this for the first time, oh, like... Where did, you know, you've already brought up a little bit that your whole family is musical. Tell us a bit about that, how you decided your instrument. Um, I know about the voice, but I don't know if you play any others as well. And what what do you see as like the, you know, the future of that talent that you have? Man, you know, that's a, that's a lot, man. So I think, so first off, I'll say that for a long time, and I'll kind of, take it back a little bit I did not embrace my voice yeah. right um, and what I mean by that not just singing wise but just like my voice generally like what I bring to the table and I think I kind of alluded to this when I was talking about Morehouse a bit right like being in a space where you feel like you have being in a, in a small town and having kind of feeling like you have that pressure on yourself to always have to be right to always have to be perfect to always like not be disappointing Sometimes you psych yourself out and you say, I don't know if I should say this because I don't know how this is going to come across or I don't know how people are going to take this. And so for a long time, I was like, I know I can sing. I know it's something that I personally enjoy, but it had for so long it had been associated with this like pressure of like, all right, if I'm going to get up here and sing, I have to (laughs) sing it at a certain way. I have to be I have to do it right. I have to like there's. And I was always just really in my head about it. And so for a long time, I was just like, eh, I'm just going to do this on the side. This is just going to be a little hobby of mine. And I'm going to kind of keep it to myself. Yeah. Um, but I think as time went on, you know, I continued to, you know, I still sang, you know, in church and stuff like that. But I never really took it seriously as like a personal mm-hmm. passion of mine. But it wasn't until, funny enough, Working at Goldman, you know, my fellow brother, yes. Goldman brother. Funny if I, I don't understand how we never met each no, other. Right. I was literally just thinking <laughs> about this, like, because, you know, preemptively, my next question was going to be about your career before CBS. And I was going to say, like, we spent two years at least yeah. in the same building and never bumped never into bumped each other, other. Yeah. till CBS. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But, no. So, yes, yeah, so I had worked at Goldman for a while. Oof, maybe ooh, more than a while. Eight years. Seven years, eight years, something wow. like that. And... I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a really good opportunity. But I think I got to a point where I realized, like, this isn't really what I want to do. And it isn't really anything that's really feeding me or, like, making me excited to do. Um, And one of the things that, like, I heard, you know, someone say in terms of, like, a speech that I was listening to, they said, you know, what's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning, right? What's the What are the things that you naturally do? Because a lot of times, like, the gifts that we're given – we're given that for a reason. And so a lot of times we try to shy away from it and we mm-hmm. think like, oh, th- 
this isn't unique to me, but real, but realistically, people can't do what you do in the way that you do it. So you may as well just kind of lean into it and embrace it. And so I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm seeing that this is something that like I really enjoy and I and I and I get excited talking about it. So let me figure out a way that I can kind of bridge these worlds together, right? And figure out like what bridge the world of like. Sorry, take a step back. I enjoy business. I enjoy solving problems. I enjoy working with people and that type of thing. But I also enjoy music, mm-hmm. right? So, in what ways can I bring these two worlds together yeah. in a way that makes work not feel like work? And so, maybe like year four of me being at Goldman, like all while this is happening, I am, you know, outside of work, going to open mics singing in church, being around people who are, you know, in church, but like they're working on their own projects. They're, you know, having their having shows, asking me to sing back up in, with them for their show. So I'm a, in this in this creative environment and I'm like, ah, like this is great. Like this is a, this is amazing. But then I'm at work and I'm like, ooh, I want to be here or I want to be in something like this. Right. And so I want to say maybe the 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 catalyst of me that that was kind of the catalyst of me kind of leaning into this is something that is a part of me and I should just embrace it. And so I would say in that I started realizing like, okay, I don't want to continue like like having this internal battle with myself around trying to find a happy medium. So let me create it. Let me figure it out. And so that was actually part of the reason why I applied to business school because I was realizing like I need to be in a space that allows me to do that and allows me to kind of create that 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 space for myself and actually applied to business school in like 20 what 17 2018 didn't get in and I realized now I didn't get in because my story was not together like I think I was trying to rush to get into it mm-hmm. and I realized and what I was talking about was around like how I'm trying to use music and how I'm trying to you know bridge the world between business and creative in a really fun, innovative, but impactful way, not only for the creators, but for, or not only for like these executives and the people that are mm-hmm. empowered, but also for creators and yeah. make it more equitable in that space. Um, but I realized like I didn't really tell that story well. And when I did get it, I took a year, I said, you know what? And it was really the year of the pandemic, honestly, yeah. that like literally I'll be at my desk, but I'll be like writing, like, like lyrics will come to mind and I just started writing mm-hmm. or a melody would come to mind and I would just start to like, I would take my phone and like hum a voice note mm-hmm. in my phone. Like it wasn't even like a full thought, but just wow. like a, if I thought of something, I just wrote it, I just like recorded it so that it would get out of my mind. Yeah. So that when I'm like, when I leave work and I'm like focusing, I'm like, all right, I can like create something. And then that led to me having my own EP, creating my own EP and releasing that in like 2020. Um, it was really good. Like I was re- really happy about it. You can go streaming on Spotify, Apple yeah. Music called Concrete Bloom. Um, and that was really kind of the catalyst of like, all right, all right, this is this is this is where I need to be, and recognizing that that was the um, the thing that I needed to to experience in order to really lean into that. Um, I wish it would have come a little earlier, but you know everything happens for a reason, and the timing of it happens when it needs to happen. So I'm grateful that I'm now getting to fully embrace that being in business school um, and being in a space that people can can hear it, can experience it, kind of go on, on the journey with me, right? It's not like 
and you know I'm just doing it on my own. Like people have been asking, like, when's your next project? When's your ne- when's the, when's the when's the when's the, when's the, when's the new music coming out? And so I think it is it, it's just reassuring to me that like this is the right path. This is this is why you came to business school. This is why you know you're in this space because there's a need. You can feel it, and you don't have to shy away from what you bring to the table from a music perspective or just even like the stories and the the things that you have to share in your music. So, yeah, yeah, wow. Very, very cool, man. So deep. I love how you uh, preempted my next question and weaved it in there <laughs> nicely about, you know, your previous career and kind of the motivations for coming to business school. So, you know, if we had this podcast a year ago, I would have talked about what things you were recruiting for and stuff. And mm-hmm. now we have the backdrop of what you did over the summer and talking about what you want to do in the future. So tell us a little bit about your summer um, and then ultimately what you're trying to do going forward in the long run. Yeah. So this summer I was actually interning at TikTok in their monetization product team. And so what that was was basically kind of bridging the worlds of creative and also kind of like ads, business solutions, that type of thing. So understanding one from a creative perspective, what creative on the platform kind of drives scale for businesses in terms of getting people to like purchase things or whatever the case may be from an e-commerce perspective. Um, But then also from a creator perspective, how we then taking the solutions that we have on the platform to better help monetize for creators and give them more of an equitable kind of pie and stake Mm -hmm. in what they're creating on the platform. So that was really cool because, again, from a creative perspective, I'm like, all right, like I see myself in this person so I can really be able to empathize and really like speak on behalf of this person. But then from the business side of things, I'm like, all right, from a from a from in terms of KPIs, you're trying to hit this, this and that. But like, what are we not thinking about and how can we, again, bring these two worlds together to make it make more sense? Um, So I did that not only for the e-commerce space, but then I did something around gaming. So without giving too much away, obviously, like. Gaming is a huge kind of uh, business um, need or, you know, desire for a lot of people. And so everybody's trying to figure out how can we penetrate in the gaming space, especially given this whole idea of the metaverse and, you know, TikTok just being a place where people can come to feel entertained and be entertained. Mm -hmm. Gaming is one of the big kind of um, business requirements or just kind of like ways in which they want to to pivot. Um, And so I think. That was really cool, and in and, and that and in that project, I was really more so doing more of a market research project to understand what's the market landscape, um, how do gamers look at TikTok as a place to access gaming content, mm-hmm. um, and just what are just again just like the main industry now it's even around like esports, live streaming. What's the potential to bring on that that platform or bring on that particular service, and would it even be really um, impactful to the consumers on TikTok? So it was a really cool uh, gig, really cool opportunity to really kind of get my feet wet in the in the space. And it was a good combination of, again, creative and tech as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, m- media entertainment is going that route. It has been there, been that way for a while. And there's no way we can get, a, get rid of tech. Like everything yeah. is very interweaved at this point. And so... It was a really good way for me to kind of see both ends of the spectrum, both from, again, from a creative perspective and also from technology business perspective as well. 
in terms of what I want to do full time and long term, again, I think it's really about for me combining the creative aspect and the business aspect. And so I really want to kind of go, I'm thinking more brand side. So like a creative artist agency or working as like a creative executive or working with um, various brands and artists to build out strategy around their products and different things of that nature. Um, yeah, that's where I'm really where I'm kind of thinking. And if not that, then even maybe in some in something around like content strategy. Um, but ideally, I would want to be more so on the kind of brand side, kind of working with working on those deal flows and different things of that nature. Because I think that'll give me a good mix of again being around creatives, but also understanding that. Outside of you being a singer, actor, model, et cetera, there's also this other piece that you need to be tapping into that that's where I can kind of plug in and say, all right, based on your brand, based on the things that you that you do and your audience and things that you might be passionate about, this is where we can start to, you know, penetrate various markets and really start to, you know, give you some some wealth outside of your creative. So very cool, man. Um, so glad to hear that you were able to have a summer internship, which kind of allowed you to um, dip your toe into all these areas which you've been thinking about and um, kind of allowed you to hone what you want to do in the future. So that's like the whole point and so cool that you were able to experience that. Okay, so now tell us a little bit about BBSA. Um, last year you were involved in the club. As we all know, you are one of the co-presidents this year of um, BBSA. Tell us, firstly, what inspired you to go for leadership um, at BBSA, and then what are some of the things you're really excited for this year and going forward? Yeah. Uh, so this is really interesting because I think that going into coming into business school, I was very much like, I'm not going to be that guy to like be in all these leadership of all these clubs and stuff like that. I did that in undergrad. I don't need to do that in business school. I'm not doing it. But I think there's something, but when I got on campus and I started meeting people and, you know, started it, like to really get to know my classmates, I was like, oh, like, this is a really dope group of people, right? Like, like everybody has something really cool to bring to the table. Everybody has very unique perspective. And I was just like, ah, oh, this is, I love, I love my class. Like, this is really cool. And so I think as the year went on and like I started, um, so I was on the board last year, but I was over one of the AVPs of conference. Shout out to Wilbur and Bria, um, who were one of my AVPs. And they're also the VPs this year for conference. Amazing. Um, so I'm really excited about that to answer the, one of the questions. But uh, being in those spaces and being on the board and really being able to kind of provide programming that was specifically for this particular community, but also was kind of like a window into for others to kind of see a, see what the black community is doing on campus I thought was a really a really important position and a really powerful position because I think it it really gives people the perspective of what it is like being black not only just within this context of New York City and the world but also specifically right here at Columbia Business School right it's is very dynamic, it's very unique, and you have to be willing to, it's it's an active participation thing with being black here. Like, if you really want to understand it, you have to immerse yourself into it. You can't, 
learn it by just kind of sitting on the sideline and kind of like seeing there's no way right and so I think being at the forefront or trying or me deciding to run as for for co-president was mainly because I was like I want to be able to help be the catalyst for people to see that and for people to like understand what it is that BBSA and the members of BBSA and ABC, obviously, because it's kind of, you know, kind of we kind of go hand in hand to a degree. Right. And what this community really brings to the table and what we have to offer. Right. And I think you can only do that by being active and being an active participant of that. Um, So, yeah, I think that was really my main thing. And then also. I just really I'm one of those type of people where. I'm not going to complain if I didn't try, right? So if I am on the side, if I didn't put my hat in the ring and say I'm going to apply for BB to, to, or run for BBSA president, I don't feel like I have the room to complain at that point because I knew that I had ideas that I could be implementing, but I chose not to put my hat in the ring to try to implement those things. So I was like, all right, let me, at least if I'm going to complain about it, at least I know I have a reason to complain because I tried to do it and I just didn't get voted get voted for. Yeah. Right. And so um, I would that was that was my main thing. And at the end of the day, had I not had I not won BBSA president, I would have still been active in the community regardless, because, again, I feel like it's super important. But I think that was my main kind of reason for think for running of like I want to have impact and I want to be able to have impact in a way that is that is palpable and that people can truly appreciate, especially given coming off of like, again, COVID and all these different things. Um, what I'm most excited about for this year is it, we we are selling 2023 is the 50th anniversary of the BBSA, one of the longest student run organizations on at Columbia University, period. So super excited about that. And it's also the 100th anniversary of the first black student to matriculate through Columbia Business School which who happens to be a black woman, which is a feat in itself, especially in those times in the, you know, 19 or, you know, the early 1900s. Right. Like that. That's that's a hard thing to do, um, especially when we know when we're familiar with the context by which she was doing that. Like that's a huge accomplishment. And so I think um, I'm super excited about all the events that we have coming up around that, whether that's conference, which is our Elevate Conference, Black History Month, there's going to be a huge like kickoff that we're partnering with 4A, which is our uh, alumni association with the administration. There's so many different stakeholders involved in this. And I think I'm super excited about how we're going to just be able to showcase the black community on campus um, and also our alum. Right. Because I think, again, we have to in order to understand where we are, we have to know where we came from and understand then. And then that gives us better context to know where we're going to be going in the future. And so I think all those things combined, as well as the fact that this is the biggest class of black students between the first years and the second years that we've had ever. It's about, what, like 130, 120 of us. So, like, that's really cool, and it's a really exciting time to be a student here at CBS. So super excited about everything that's going to come with the celebration and in the, the different milestones we're accomplishing this year. So cool, man. Yeah, very, very exciting. And thanks so much for sharing your um, perspective and insights for the year to come. We're all really excited. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about who are some of the figures who inspire you. Um, Do you have like a person who you really look to as um, an inspirational figure in your life? Hmm. 
You know, I think it's it's really interesting, right? I think I can't point to one person, but I can point to a number of people that I think have been super important to me. I think so one of the things I've always kind of recognize is that a lot of times family isn't about your blood family. Family is about sometimes the people that you choose and the people that choose you a lot of times, right? And I think that growing up, and this is just kind of being very transparent, right? Like growing up, grew up in a single parent household, didn't really have like, really didn't really have a relationship with my father kind of growing up. But what I did have was uncles who kind of stepped in and you know filled a void where there was where when there was one I had my older brother and my older sister who were basically kind of like mini parents to a degree right um I had my granddad like and I think everybody spoke something very different to me mm-hmm. um and gave me something different by which I could latch on to and kind of that carried me throughout yeah. you know my time kind of growing up um one person that I would highlight in particular um, is my uh, adopted grandmother, which I will call her. Her name's Susie Stackhouse, but she's um, no longer with us, so, you know, rest in peace. But she is my brother and my sister's grandmother. Um, kind of growing up, because I was always around my brother and my sister, we would go to their house all the time, and she wasn't, obviously, like, I called her grandma because I heard my brother and my sister calling her grandmother. And so I was like, oh, that's grandma, whatever. And so, but recognizing that, she wasn't my grandmother, like biologically, but but played that role and filled that role like was super impactful to me and super important because I think it again, it just highlighted the fact that love can love can come from places that you least expected and support can come from places that you least expected. And being okay with embracing what that looks like. And being okay with being able to step outside of yourself and what you think, um, what you think, like stepping outside of yourself and accepting the help that you didn't even realize that you needed. Um, and I think that's where I think if anything, she's like a super, super big inspiration to me. Also an educator, someone who, you know, just was very selfless and really took the time to like pour into people even when she didn't have it even when she didn't you know always feel the best she was always like hey how you doing how are you feeling like and having that one-on-one conversation and that's why I think for me I've always been very like let's have a one like how are you like I see people all the time I'm like how you feeling and they're like no I'm all right I'm like no no how are you feeling like seriously and I think because I think it it means a lot when you have somebody that sees you yeah and says, I know what you're going through right now is stressful. I might not be able to help in a dramatic way, but I can help in this way. Mm-hmm. And even if you just need the vent, I'm here and I can talk to you about it or you can talk to me about it. Yeah. And you know that it's a safe space and it's only going to stay right here. Um, so I would say she's one big inspiration. And obviously, like my mom is a huge inspiration to me as well. Um, I think from her, what I realize is just like the importance of family. Um, she's always just been the person that will just jump into action no matter what. Like, again, very much so similar to um, my adopted grandmother and that like, always just like, what do you need? How can we make it happen? And really teaching me the importance of 
having a foundation outside of that's higher than yourself um, and having a faith in something that is bigger than you. Um, and I think, I'm, like I said, I, I really appreciate that because I think it's kind of given me a roadmap by which to follow as I've kind of grown and matured as, a, as an individual. Um, and even in this space in business school, like, stuff, is, this shit is stressful. <laughs> like, and so just always being reminded of those things and being reminded of, like, hey, Martavius, like, you're here and you're here for a reason. Trust that. And I think those 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 words always kind of come to me in like random moments where I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is the right decision, right? So I think um, super super appreciative and grateful for those you know individuals that have been in my life. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing. That's really really cool to hear. Um, do you have a favorite quote or best piece of advice that someone has given you? Hmm. Favorite quote. I have a few quotes, um, but the one that always comes to mind is uh, Benjamin Elijah Mays' quote, where he's one of a he was one of the former presidents of Morehouse College. It says, "Whatever you do, do it so well that no man living, no man yet to be born, um, can do it any better." And I look at that, and it might sound a little arrogant when you think about it, but I think what it really points to is that, like, kind of something that I mentioned earlier around. There's only one you, and you're the only one that can do it in the way that you can. And so whatever that thing that you choose to pursue, put your all into it and put your all into it in, in such a way that, like, you put your own unique stamp to it that nobody can replicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody's going to – obviously, you're going to have a bunch of people that want to go into entertainment. You're going to have a bunch of people that want to be investment bankers. But, like, what are you doing specifically that's going to change the landscape? Yeah. Like, what are you doing that's going to make it unique and – move the needle in some way, shape, or form. And so I've always carried that quote with me. Um, and then in terms of advice, I would say, and this might be an unconventional piece of advice, but find some find find a licensed, trained professional to talk to about things that you've de- dealt with in your life, right? I think sometimes we don't prioritize our mental health as much as we should, and I think that's such an important peace to to not forget especially as people who are a lot of a lot of columbia business school people are typically type a we like to get things done we we're, we have a lot on our place we're balancing a lot of things but at the end of the day you can't show up for others if you're not showing up for yourself and i think a part of showing up for yourself is finding that thing that refuse you whether that's therapy whether that's meditation whether that's music or going for a run or a hike, whatever that is, find that that therapeutic thing for yourself that refuels you and that gives you clarity of mind, clarity of body, clarity of spirit, because I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to go into these corporations or going, going into these businesses and be able to lead not only effectively, but empathetically and lead like, you know, and have a human centric style of leading. Mm-hmm. Um, is if we really prioritize ourselves as well as prioritizing getting into the bag, quote unquote, or you know being successful in our careers, and so that would be that would be my my piece of advice. Man, I love that. That is a great piece of advice. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, 
This is now one of my favorite sections of the pod. It's called the gratitude section. Um, it's just an opportunity for you to send some gratitude and love into the universe. Um, you know, in our busy lives, we often forget to just call out people and say, yeah. thank you, I love you. Yeah. So please, take it away. Man, man, wow. Uh, so I'll, it's a lot of people, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll say, first off, I want to say thanks to, like, my family. So Latoya, Stan, Mom... Marquise, my dad, like I definitely appreciate all of you all for just being, uh, just pouring into me and just being a support system. Um, I'll also say thank you to, like since we talked about BBSA, I'll also say thanks to my co-president, Renee Sewell, shout out to you. Um, it's been a really great few months of planning things and working together, so definitely appreciate you there. And, and, and everybody on the board as well. Um, for all the work that they've been putting in to like make BBSA and make you know this this time a huge success, um, I also say thanks to some of my best friends: Corey, Antoine, Curtis, Jessica, George. There's so many of you all that like have through this business school journey been like you know just kind of again another system of support and just being um, super. Um, always reminding me of the why and always reminding me of this is why you're doing what you're doing um and last but not least i want to and this might be a little hot take for some people but uh i want to shout out my girlfriend shelby appreciate you for everything um it's been a good um time so far and so and as a friend as a partner definitely appreciate everything that you've been doing um and how we've been growing together so definitely appreciate that uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's it's. I guess I could keep going, but there's so many different people that I could I could thank. Um, but and I think you, man. I want to say, I think this has been a really good platform for people to really hear about people's experience, and I don't think we get to to hear that a lot, right? Like we try to you know make those do those one on one coffee chats especially the first year first year it's just bombarded with like i want to try to get to know as many people as possible um and i think just sometimes you miss the nuance of people and so I, I definitely appreciate this podcast and this platform because i think it really gives people an opportunity to really hear the the nuance and the the intricacies of a person's experience and be able to help them give it helps them form more better perspective about the people that you're seeing every day walking in, in classes with you and walking on campus with you. So definitely appreciate you for, you know, providing this space as well. So Amazing. Thanks so much for giving those shout outs. Love that. And thanks so much um, as well, Martavius. I appreciate that. What should someone on the CBS campus reach out to you for help about? Yeah, uh, people can reach out to me for help on a lot of things. So if you want to know how to pivot from finance to media, if you want, you know, some help there, you can definitely reach out to me. I have some insight there being at Goldman for some time and then, you know, kind of pivoting now into more the entertainment media space. So reach out to me about that. If you ever need someone to help you with songwriting or just writing in general, like I, I would say that I'm a good writer. So like if you need that help, like obviously reach out to me. Um, I am, some people would say that, I, I I enjoy fashion, which I, I think I do. So if you need some outfit tips, <laughs> I got you. Um, you want to talk? I I would say like anything media, media entertainment related. Definitely reach out to me about um, 
if you want to know some good restaurants in the city, I got you. I, I am a foodie, a big foodie. I've been in New York for eight year, eight nine years now, so I got you on that. Um, and if you need like any advice on, you know, some places to go for, you know, in like live music or poetry slams, that type of thing. Again, I got you. Um, I, I typically do open mics every week, so like there's a definitely definitely pull up. Uh, at Harlem Nights at, at Harlem Nights on Mondays um, definitely it's a good time all live music live band you can get up perform you get up do poetry whatever you want so it's definitely there's definitely a lot of cool things happening in the city and so I think uh, definitely come to me if you want some advice on some 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 different things that you can get into while you're here I know a lot of I know a lot of us are only in New York for a short time so try to get the most out of it so yeah amazing Thank you for the, for that. I hope people take you up on those offers. Final uh, question of the podcast. Please give us three recommendations. Um, it can be book recommendations, shows, movies, games, whatever you like, man. Yeah, man. Uh, movies. Go see Woman King. It is amazing. Make sure you go see Woman King. Um, music, I would say it depends on what you like. But first off, check out my album. Yes. That's what you first, yes. that's the first recommendation. Check it out on Apple Music, Spotify. It's called Concrete Bloom. Um, there's actually, I'm actually working on some new music. So, you know, you'll, you'll get, some, get some new content soon. But outside of that, I would say some artists to check out if you are into R&B and you're into some real good vo- really good vocals. Check out Alex Isley. Check out Lucky Day. Um, check out... Um, let me see who's some other ones. Some good ones out there, but I would definitely say check out Alex Isley. Check out Lucky Day. Um, Thundercat is a really cool band that has some really cool music. So definitely check them out as well. Um, and what else? You said book, movies. Mm. I'll say for books, check out anything that's Bell Hooks. Like absolutely love Bell Hooks. Like she has some really good. Um, content out there and so obviously like if you want to you know if you are if you are a book person definitely you know i would say check check some of her stuff out incredible man wow so montavious this has just been incredible thanks so much for sharing a little bit about yourself um we're all so grateful we're very lucky to have you as part of the cbs community thank you for um what you're doing as co-president of bbsa um man um, I think I speak for the rest of the class to say, um, you know, people like you is why people come to business school to meet people like you. And yeah, good luck with everything you're trying to pursue. We can't wait to hear that new music. Thank you, Drop man. that link as soon as it comes out. <laughs> Thank you. And the final words are yours, man. Man, I just want to say it has been a pleasure um, speaking with and sharing this story. I think a lot of times, like, like I said before, you 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 kind of come into these spaces and you hope to get some really cool experiences out of it. You hope to really be able to connect with people. And so I hope that through sharing this story, through sharing my experience, that you, you all get a better sense of who I am um, and you can connect with my story in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, and hopefully this gives you the courage to share your experience. Um, and that you find, you feel empowered, 
not only in this business school context, but just in even a career context to be able to share your authentic self with the world and know that by you sharing your authentic self, you're only going to be doing the world um, a service as opposed to a disservice by doing that. So I hope that this encourages someone and that this um, really helps someone to kind of get past that hurdle that they're trying to get past, whether that's from a career perspective, whether that's creatively, whether that's personally, I hope that me sharing has given you some insight and some uh, hopefully clarity about your own experience that you can uh, potentially apply and, and be better. Live in disguise in a blur. Tell me when you're getting off work today. Tell me when you want to see a girl today. Hop up in the whip and swerve. Live in disguise.